Welcome to the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, guys, we are back having a blast today. Rich Orris is here again, filling in for Scott Mosby. Had a ton of great questions. Got a lot coming in. If you got more, we got another whole hour for you. So feel free to give us a call. 314-436-7900-800-925-1120. Looking forward to hearing from you and your question and what's happening. And speaking of that, we've got Joe on the line. Let's get with Joe and see what is going on. How can we help you, Joe? Uh, Good morning, Rich, and thanks for taking my call. I've got a hot water heater question since we were subject of matter so far. Okay. Two months ago, I flushed it for my first time in six years since it was new. And um, what happened was I noticed two things. I had turned it on to the vacation setting, and I was shocked a day or two later how warm the water still came out. So when I turned it back on, I lowered it to low permanently to see if anyone in the house would notice. And um, we, you know, they haven't. And I'm just wondering. Is it is it uh, does it increase longevity to run it lower when I have I have one two three four I have five hot settings above low that I don't use and now the kids can't take a steam shower but everybody's still getting hot water that I haven't had a complaint. Oh yeah, so I mean, if if they're happy with that lower setting, I would say absolutely. Um, it's just the theory of it working less. You know, it's going to run less time and only get so hot. And if that's working for everybody, then, yeah, it will it will definitely lengthen, you know, the the life on that water heater. It's kind of like, I mean, if you can imagine your washing machine and you said, well, if I wash 100 loads, will my washing machine last longer if I only do 50? And you're like, yeah, absolutely, right? Because you're. <laughs> that's a good. That's a good analogy. Yeah. There's one other. There's one other thing, uh, which brought the question in mind is when I got done flushing it, I I thought everything was closed. I closed the door and I didn't look in there for six uh, about a week, and then I realized I was having a drip on the um, pressure relief valve. Uh-huh. Um, which I just opened and closed a few times, and it sealed it up. But mm-hmm. when it dried, I still had a lot of white residue on the concrete, which made me think, you know what, Did my, was my flush incomplete, or does the residue float more than it sinks? Um, should I do another flush, or should I just accept it as normal? Did you get a lot? Um, did you see a lot of residue when you flushed it, you know, a lot of uh-huh. calcium deposits and stuff? Uh, shockingly clear. Uh, my okay. old water here was never flush, and it lasted 25 years. So we're pretty good with water here. Yeah, th- then you're probably definitely fine. And what you're seeing on the on the concrete floor from that water is probably more from the concrete than it is the water, because that concrete's got you know like it's got lime in it, and and that's you know kind of that white can occur just from the moisture on the concrete and it's not from the water, but it's from, you know, the lime trying to get out of the the concrete and stuff. That definitely makes sense. Yeah. Yep. So you can just take a, you know, some comment or whatever and a scrub brush and just kind of scrub the floor. Even if it doesn't all go away, it's perfectly fine. And one flush a year is fine too, correct? Oh yeah. Yep. 
Okay. Uh, you know, the others, only others completely separately, we were talking about walls. I've built a lot of walls, and I've noticed that the walls that I see failing the most around the neighborhood are when a slope goes down to a wall. Oh, yeah. And in my in my property, I had to raise, I raised my wall up about a foot so that I could put a little swale in. And I feel like that wall is just like a house. Mm-hmm. If you can avoid water going behind it, you can save what's left or you can make it last longer. And that has been helpful to me. Oh, yeah, absolutely. And, and having really good drainage, you know, um, behind the wall to get rid of the water, bring it out in front of the wall, doing those drainage pipes well, doing it with, you know, hard PVC plastic pipes that are perforated and everything instead of just the, the black corrugated that flex and crush and, you know, all of that. I, I looked at a retaining wall not too long ago and the, the corrugated pipes coming out, you know, near the bottom of the retaining wall for the water to come through and everything well, it was full of rock. Yeah, and I'm like, it's and, been and crushed. Roofing tiles too. Yeah, <clears throat> so so yeah, that is definitely a good piece of advice for sure. Is if you can keep water away from your your wall, your foundation, your you know control water. Um, you know, Mother Nature is literally here to you know. Well, I mean, ashes to ashes, dust to dust. She's here to actually get rid of everything that we've put here. So she uses wind, tornadoes, water, all that stuff to do that. So if you can control that water, you are better off with every aspect of what you build. All right. Um, Thank you. Yeah, no problem. Thanks, Joe. Great question. Um, Good thought. And, you know, it's good to check into this stuff even when you do it and, you know, just make sure that, you know, what you're doing is often enough and correct and the best thing and, and all of that, because there's a lot of different, you know, maintenance things out there that, you know, we need to take care of and, and keeping those, you know, together and straight and, you know, remembering to do things, having a schedule and kind of like, you know, writing down list of like, what should I do to my home in January and, and in February and, you know, things like that is really, you know, good stuff to keep track of. And really, you know, so many people talk about, you know, like building, you know, remodeling their home and, and, and they're, they're concerned with the, what they spend and the return on their investment. And will I get my money back out and all this different stuff when really one of the best things that you can do for that is to maintain, you know, people will, they'll notice and and when you maintain things well they'll see it and and they can tell and even someone not in my profession can look at a house and just see that it's cleaned and that it was maintained and that there what you know and that actually can help the value just as much as redoing your kitchen and stuff like that. They were, I mean, people, if you don't maintain, you could have a beautiful kitchen and they go down in your basement and see issues and, and they see issues with the siding and the retaining wall and the different stuff there. It's the kitchen's going to all of a sudden no longer really matter that much unless they feel like doing all the other stuff. So when you maintain and you stay ahead of all of this, it's just a wonderful, great thing to do for you, your home, for longevity, if you're going to be there. I mean, it's it's the best thing that you can do to your house 
bar none, hands down for sure. So definitely listen up, ask, get with people that know things like that. And speaking of that, I'm here. We got three more uh, segments here to get through. So feel free to give me a call. Anything you got going on around the, around your home, 314-436-7900 or 800-925-1120. I'm going to be here. Can't wait to hear from you. We're going to get into our first break of the hour, and we'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right, here we are back again. Rich Orris filling in for Scott today, just so everyone knows. And, uh, you know, I, I've been doing this with Scott a super long time, um, working for him, running jobs. You know, he was the first company that I came to that truly started to educate me and send me to do things and to figure things out and was like, you know, we want you to understand so that we can pass it through and learn and you know, do the right thing for everybody. So, you know, what a, what a great atmosphere to be in and be a part of for the past 21 years. So speaking of learning and helping and and trying to help people out, we got Victoria on the line. Let's see what she has for us. Victoria, how you doing? Oh, I'm Vidya, but that's all right. Okay. Um, I have a question. We have cedar siding and, um, where those are uh, horizontal boards that are uh, they are attached to the vertical ones. They are, uh, at one time, Scott told me that it's, they are called battens. Okay, yeah, yeah, sure. And the, on there, on the the ones on the east side of the house, I guess this moisture is there, so the paint doesn't stay there. What should we be doing to that? Uh, the paint doesn't stay there. Yeah. Or you know what? At the yeah. Have a deck on the back side and close to the where it's close to the deck over there the paint comes off. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So unfortunately, yeah, that's kind of just a, a, a victim of you know the atmosphere around it and everything. Um, if it's lasting on you know longer on the other sides than on that side then there's really nothing wrong with it. It's just, you know, kind of like I was talking to Joe about that the water heater lasting longer if you're using it less. Well, the other side of your home is getting less, you know, weather and and direct rain blowing on it and different things. So really, you know, the the best thing that you can do is try and and rejuvenate it entirely as far as getting it off, cleaning it off, not just touching up little spots, but like really redoing it and getting the right, you know, stains and primers and things on there so that when you paint it, it will help it last longer being a good product. Um, So kind of going to a redo of like that whole side of the house rather than just a couple boards or something will probably help you know, prolong that in the future, but it's always going to tend to wear down faster than the other sides just because of its circumstance and and surroundings. Yeah. And on the south side of the house, when we got it um, repainted Uh a couple of years ago, the previous paint came off as strips of that paint. And right now it looks fine, but would that happen again? 
You know what I mean? Yeah, so, yeah, like it kind of just the whole section peeled off, peeled off. like? Mm-hmm. Peeled off. You know, by uh, I guess when they were doing it, the, we got, got it done by a painter. So when they were painting, I guess they just, they could just peel off the previous paint. Yeah, so it sounds like that previous paint really wasn't, you know, yeah. secured or primed very well the first time in order to hold, because what's underneath it, what that base is, means everything to, you know, to a good paint job, to good construction, what holds up your floor, your walls, all the stuff. So what's underneath means so much. Um, So getting that, you know, like peeled off like they did and really prepping the wood right and priming it with the right, proper, good product to really get it to stick and get that, you know, painted here because it's just on the surface. If it's paint, yeah, yeah. you know, it'll you, a good primer and done properly. And doing two coats is another good thing that you know. People, a lot of people think, "Yep, I, I've primed it, I've painted it, the color looks perfect. Why would I need a second coat?" Well, it just kind of adds to it and thickens it and just makes it, you know, wear not as fast if it's two layers than one layer. So even if the color looks good you know, go ahead with a second coat just to really add to it. And that can help it last also, you know. So, yep. yeah, it sounds like getting down to the base is important for, okay, for so what the, happened on yours. Yeah. So when we get it done next time, what should we be asking the painter to do? I would be asking them about how they, you know, I would ask them about how it peels and everything. And, and if it's doing okay. that, kind of show them and say, you know, what can yeah. you do to prevent that? And they should talk about how they take it off and, and what type of primer and stuff they're using to get it okay. to stick and work to try and keep it from happening again. So yeah. let them describe to you their their process. And, and, you know, as long as they're talking about good primers and how it holds and, you know, different things like that, you know, let them answer that so you can understand their knowledge. Yeah. You know, okay. Because if you All tell right. someone, "Hey, I, I, I talked to someone once, and they said I should probably strip this off and make sure it's primed really well." Can you do that? Every person out there you talk to will say yes. Oh, but it doesn't mean that they've had, you know, history with it, and that they've done it in the past, and they understand it, and they know the best things to do. It just means they're agreeing with you, right? So if you yeah. kind of ask them. You know, this is what's happened, you know, how do you handle it and what makes it last longer and hear their response and answer. And they should get into details with the type of primer and the type of wood it's going on and things like that that will really help you reassure that, okay, you know, you don't need to totally understand it to know if they know what they're talking about. You know, you'll just get that feeling. So, yeah. All right. Yeah, thank you very much for your help. Oh, you are very welcome. Thanks for the call. Great question, everything. Let's uh, get to Rick and see. uh, Rick's got a question about floors, I believe. Rick, what's going on? Yeah, thanks for taking the call. Oh, very Um, welcome. Thanks for calling. Yeah, considering putting a surface on the garage floor, and I've been looking at both polyaspartic as well as epoxy. And I was kind of curious on your thoughts on pluses and minuses of either. Yeah, so what I've seen the most of is the epoxy. Um, and when, you know, there's a, a 
you have to make sure, you know, like we were just talking about the prep, the type of wood, the primer, you got to make sure you follow the steps and you do things well on how you clean, prep, and and apply everything to it. Um, So I only really have a lot of experience with the epoxy side of that. So I don't have much of a answer or or any experience with the other one. Yeah, is it um, relatively new? Um, I you know I guess it, I don't know. I, I guess it is because in in it's kind of like we talk about like because we're in the center of the country and things start on the coast and work their way in and, and, and all of this. And another thing that we've done for years is when something's working really, really well, don't, you know, test things out, you know, jump into the water feet first. Don't just, just because somebody says something's the greatest thing ever, let it happen for 10 years before you get to and see what the results are. Uh-huh. You know, at some point someone yeah. said Masonite siding was the best thing since sliced bread. And then, the whole state, you know, sued Masonite right. siding yeah. and it was yeah. rotting and it did you know what I mean? So watching that, so we've had good success with the epoxy, with mm-hmm. our painters at Mosby and everything, um, you know, on the garage floors. Um, so I haven't really, I just don't have experience okay. with the other one. But, okay. Well, you, um, you talked about prep. We ha- mm-hmm. We have several spots that are pitted significantly. And it's because water has sat on that area for extended periods of time because it's slightly low. Okay. Should I try to level off that entire, that's probably an eight by eight piece in the garage floor um, and get it uh, nice and level with the rest before I attempt to try to put anything down there? Well, so the hard part with that is going to be when you, in order to do that, you would almost have to literally like cut out the whole section of the garage floor and re-pour that whole piece of concrete four inches thick because the the problem you'll have is if it dips down three-eighths of an inch and you're trying to feather out, you know, like a patcher material to become very thin on the edges, that will break out later. And so when you drive on it, when it you know as it wears it'll be so thin in those areas that you filled up that it'll end up breaking and popping out and everything um so you're really probably better off just trying to only patch like the small spot where you have the actual kind of chunk missing out of the concrete just do that with a little you know cement patcher hydraulic cement something like that keep it small to the size of what's missing and do your epoxy and everything really good, really thick. And, and basically like I had, I had the same thing in, in my garage at my last house, like right by the door where you pulled in. And I literally bought a squeegee, like a two foot wide on a stick, like a push broom squeegee. And would just shovel water during the winter out of there to try and prevent that and lengthen the life of that concrete because I knew it was going to eat it up. But I knew my answer, you know, if you just try and fill it up, it will never last. If you float it out, you know, it, it just won't, 
it won't last. You need that surface to be at least a half inch thick or so everywhere. So you can't feather okay. it down. All right. Hey, well, appreciate it. Thank you. Hey, no problem, Rick. Appreciate it. Great question. I'll have to look more into the other garage floor paint and everything at some point. And, you know, because research is king and figuring out, you know, is there something better? What's going on? We all definitely need to know that. So we're going to take a break. Feel free. We got two more segments left. Plenty of time for everybody. 314 436 Seven nine hundred. Give me a shout. I'll be here for you. We'll be right back after this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center. The place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. All right. Rich Orris here again filling in for Scott Mosby today. And, um, you know, with the holidays coming up and everything and, uh, hosting stuff and things like that. You know, if you're thinking, you know, you've been considering doing a kitchen remodel and, you know, I I like to tell people all the time, like this is the time to kind of, you know, inventory what you do, what you've got, how it works, things like that. When you do host for the holidays, I mean, you can really, things that you should be thinking about, you know, towards your next remodel can can actually help you answer, you know, what type of remodeling do you even need? I mean, are you good with just kind of a facelift and changing some things and making it better? Or, you know, are you at the age and the time where you need like a kind of a, a pull and replace or a semi-custom, you know, maybe we change a couple things but not quite everything, or is it such dismay that you, you're really into like a full custom gut, change where everything is, change the flow. Maybe you're looking for more size. Size in St. Louis is key, you know, with our kitchens on how things function and everything. So looking at, you know, while you're hosting, you know, watching that size, seeing how many people, take a head count, you know, of how many you've had, Um, Because that can help a designer figure out, you know, for seating and for all these different, you know, action things, you know, while you're while you're hosting and everything that can really help them out. But as you're kind of going through that, just keep your eye on things and maybe take some notes on, um, you know, does your kitchen have enough room for multiple cooks um, can you work together? Is you know is is that working out for you? Do you, or do you even have multiple cooks? Um, is there enough room for for cooking and socializing? You know, in that same area, what what the island has done for everybody is is created that kind of social separation of I'm cooking here, you're socializing there. It's all good to do this now you know, we can manage that and and have it work and everything. So, you know, but watching for, you know, where things kind of, where does everybody naturally kind of conjugate together? Is there enough room for them? Is there a particular room in the house where, you know, nobody seems to use and, and what can possibly be done about that? You know, when you're thinking about if you wish they could use it, talking about that with a designer can help them kind of figure out and come up with ideas of how to expand and and make things more inviting, 
you know, for everybody in that. So another thing is, you know, watching the traffic. Does it smooth? Does it does it flow smoothly for everyone? Do you hear? Pardon me a lot as people are are trying to get around. Um, do, is there guests that have, you know, a cane or crutches or a stroller or do, you know, and and how does that? you know, work and do you have room for, for what everybody needs to do? Um, lighting is lighting, lighting, lighting is the biggest thing, you know, as far as do you have enough lighting for all ages? That's one of my, my favorite things in my house now that I, I did can lighting throughout my whole kitchen and hearth room and everything like two years ago. You know, my son's like mid-20s. He's in the kitchen. He says, man, what in the world model plane are you trying to land up in here? And I'm like, yeah, I hope I'm around when you're in your 50s. And and you because you'll probably be like, hey, dad, can you come over and put some can lights in? I can't see anything, you know, and it's but it's so important to, you know, being able to work and function and do all that. So having good lighting like that, but that's dimmable you know, is a really, really great thing. You know, we talked a lot today about some hot water and stuff like that. Um, Is there enough hot water? Is there enough pressure, you know, that accommodates everybody as you're entertaining and everything? Um, In in today's world, this is a big one that's come up in the past, you know, five, ten years of really are there enough electrical outlets, charging stations, for all these gadgets and phones and people coming in now we on the islands and and things like that we'll we'll put you know outlets that actually just have the USB you, you can plug your charger right in you don't have to have the actual plug box for it um and so you can get outlets that have a couple of those already on it and you're ready for everybody's gadgets and charging and everything so that's you know just a wonderful thing that you could do so there's so many things to, to take note of and think about so that when you do get with that company, that kitchen designer, you know, all of that, you can get them that information and really let them help you get to, you know, the right kitchen that's going to work well for you and everything. So uh, we got Steve on the line here. Let's get to Steve and see what's going on. How you doing, Steve? Thanks for calling. Yeah, I'm doing good, um, and thanks for taking my call. <clears throat> so the question I had, um, I have a sewer line, main line, and in my backyard, of course, I have trees and tree roots and all that, and yeah. it's an old sewer line, you know, with the clay tile joined up. So when the guys came out and cleaned it out, uh, they also stuck a camera in there, and basically what's going on, which I'm not surprised, uh, I'm seeing a lot of roots uh, that get in there. Sure. So the question I have, they were saying um, to get rid of the roots, they were recommending like a high-pressure hydro cleaning process. We use the high-pressure water. And my question is, what's the best way to get roots out of a main line like this? Uh, Because I was looking at something. It was a foaming root killer called uh, uh, Robic. Yep. And was wondering if something like that works also. Well, I you know, I've I've definitely heard of, you know, sewer draining companies using that foaming stuff. Um I've worked on houses, their bathrooms and stuff where 
the sewer people have done that, you know, foam root killer stuff, even while we were there working because they, you know, cleaned it out and cameraed and did everything like you're saying. Um, and, and I mean, it, it worked what I saw when they did it, um, how well it worked. I never saw them re-camera it to see like afterwards how much better it was. Um, but it definitely worked for some amount of time, you know, um, but that high pressure water thing is is definitely, you know, they can run that through there and and maybe both things wouldn't be a, a, a bad thing to do the foaming stuff and then come in and spray it at a later date, but it'll, yeah, it'll cut those root pieces and just blow them through you know, and really clear that out of there. Um, and, and I would maybe talk to, you know, have some conversations about a liner, you know, that, that might help prevent that because they can line the inside of that line. If the pipe's good and it's just at the joints, you know, where that's happening, which is usually the case. And if it's not, you know, where it's holding water and, you know, sitting low in a bunch of spots, they could do a liner through there without digging out the yard and prevent that. Right. You know, and the whole thing boils down to money. So yeah. you get the aerobic foam stuff for like $40. You can do a couple of treatments. Yeah. Or you can get the hydro cleaner for $500 uh, or less than 1000 The liners, it's about 5000 Yes. So. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, that's, yeah, and, and that's trying you know and the liner is in in hindsight of if it's in good enough condition we could do that really they're they're saying that's in front of you know uh replacing the line and digging out the yard and everything oh, which is probably yes. 10 yes. 15,000 yeah. or whatever you know so yeah, yeah. and you got a messed up yard for several years too yeah oh yeah yep so okay. yeah they're all, all baby right. steps to try and you know keep it going and, and all of that. But yeah. So, um, but yeah, I've seen the foam and it seemed to have success where I saw him use it. I'm going to give it a shot and try the foam first. And then if it blocks up, I'll get him to come out clean and, and we'll stick a camera in there again and see what it looks like. Yeah. And then if it's still, you know, a lot, then go ahead with that spray. Yeah. Okay. Yep. Hey, thanks a lot for, for your help. Thank no, you. no problem. Thanks for calling in. Another great question. I absolutely love it. I do this every day, all day long, helping people with their issues, remodeling projects, how to get through design, build, all that stuff. So I love helping out. We got one more segment left. Definitely got time for a call in it. 314-436-7900. Give me a shout and I'll get you help you out. And we're going to take a break, and uh, hopefully I'll be helping you right after we get through this. This is the KMOX Home Improvement Show. Presented by Suburban Leisure Center, the place with the big red chair. Now, Scott Mosby on the voice of St. Louis KMOX. Hey, guys, Rich Orris here filling in for Scott Mosby. Last segment we got, I did want to let everybody know that um, – you know, it, it is SSM's Healthcare Cardinal Glennon Tree of Hope Week. So, you know, here at the radio station, Odyssey, St. Louis radio station, they're proud to partner up once again with uh, the generous community supporters to raise funds for this Tree of Hope at SSM 
Cardinal Glennon's Children's Hospital. So through all the donations from all the supporters like you, we can really help out SSM's health care Uh, Cardinal Glennon's Hospital here to continue funding programs that aren't always covered by the insurance. So help the kids out. It's so necessary to their recovery. So you can find out more of how you can help at KMOX.com forward slash Cardinal Glennon. Check it out again. KMOX.com forward slash Cardinal Glennon. Help out. Help some kids. You're going to love it. You're going to feel good about it. Um, and, you know, re- another quick reminder um, that, you know, Mosby has our event next Saturday that we're collecting toys and all of that. Again, come by our Kirkwood studio from 9 to noon next Saturday, the 17th. Donate an unwrapped toy. Get your picture taken with Santa. Get some coffee, some hot chocolate, some cookies. Have a good time and help out the community, everybody. And speaking of helping out, let's grab Brian here and see if we can help him out. Brian, what do you got going on? Hi, Rich. Uh, I've got a, some, a couple questions concerning roofing okay. and counter flashing. Oh, sure. So I have a, I have a two-story house, and uh, I have um, several roofs, one-story uh, add-ons to that two-story house that butt right up against a stucco wall or different sides of the of the house on a stucco wall. Uh-huh. Now, I've seen um, – I've had some leaking, leaking and, uh, and one – side and i can see that the counter flashing has never really been i don't know if it's a this is where i need your help or maybe your opinion on this is it a common practice for counter flashing it should be on stucco should it be you score a groove in the in the stucco and then put the counter flashing inside that because i don't see that i just see a gobs of sealant uh, that are beaded up along the uh, top of the counter flashing. Sure. So there is a couple ways that you can do that. And the better of the, the, the ways is, yes, to like grind a groove, bend that flashing in there and caulk the top of that flashing to the stucco. And that, you know, will will get it in there. And if you leave it up a little bit, when it goes into the slot kind of angled away, even when the caulking's failing, it'll keep a lot of that water from going in, you know, behind it. Um, the other way that, that you're probably seeing is they actually do the opposite and the counter flashing goes up the stucco and then it bends out away from the wall and, um, then they caulk it between the metal and the wall. And what that does is it gives it a bigger place and more of an opening to get caulk in there. So that's still a good practice. It just needs to be re-caulked more often than the other way and, and can let water in more often. It's just pay more attention to it, you know, and when, and when you re-caulk it, you really want to cut that caulk out. And get right. it, you know, don't just recalk like a little spot where there's a crack because that's not going to last very long. Cut that caulk out completely and completely recalk it because the size and the depth and the sides of that caulk sticking to the wall and sticking to the metal is what makes it last as long as it can. So right. that's a mistake a lot of people made is putting caulk on top of caulk, and that's just not right. a long term fix. Is a like a one side of my house is, has a long um, amount of counter flashing, and it's on my southern side of my house. There are no trees, so there's the sun bears down on that and 
spazzy tracks during the course of a of a day. Uh-huh. Uh huh. What's a better type of caulk? Is it, it uh, some type of polyurethane? Yes. Uh, yeah, Something. you definitely want a urethane caulk because um, your metal will expand and contract, and the urethane caulk is is more flexible and, and will expand and contract at, at a good enough rate with that metal vinyl. And the metal can actually expand and contract more than silicone can can stretch and hang on. And that's why silicone fails and breaks all the time. So, yep, usually urethane caulk, that's your best bet. So um, we're just about out of time here. Um, I, I'm down to the wire with the end. But, hey, Brian, I, I hope that helps, and I appreciate the oh, call. And, uh, yeah, you. no, it's a great question. And, Good to make sure you're getting the right type of stuff in there and and doing things the best way possible for sure. So, um, but yeah, we're just about out of time here. So, hey, for everybody else out there, remember you can call Mosby. This is what I do. I come out, I'll see you. I can look at your kitchens, your repairs, your different things going on. Feel free to give Mosby a call and have me check out anything you want to get done. 314-909-1800. And I will talk to everybody another time. Thanks.